Oh yeah. All right, so I want to welcome everyone in. We have Antonio and Brandon with us tonight. Say hi. How's it? How's it going, folks? Brandon's back. We're so excited. It's been too long. And of course, Antonio. Oh yeah, I'm here. But in full effect, we get to see his whole face this week. We don't get just just to see his eyes and his lips. So let me tell you, ladies on Bumble, Tinder, check out this boy. No, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta talk about this, uh, this mustache this this man is rocking. Ooh. If you've never seen someone as exotic looking with a mustache and Cobra Kai headband, you're missing out. Let me tell you. But uh, it looks like it's just going to be a boys night with us. And the movie we have on deck tonight is a Chris Evans and Scar Joe movie with a great ensemble cast. And it's not the perfect score, unfortunately. The movie we're talking about tonight is a 2016 movie, uh, Marvel blockbuster, the first of Phase 3, third in the Captain America trilogy, directed by the Russo brothers, none other than Captain America Civil War. So right off the bat, I'm just going to ask this now. Is this the most underappreciated Marvel movie? I think this movie gets a lot of... And I'm going to just jump right in, you know. Again, missed the first two episodes of Season 2, but I'm going to just jump right in here. I think that this is one of the best Marvel movies out of all of the uh, out of the entire cinematic universe. I think it's a, it's a top three movie for me. Um, and it's probably the third best one after infinity war and Endgame. It feels like an Avengers assembled movie, but it still feels like a captain America movie, uh, which the, it, it built, it feels like it builds on the first two, which is awesome. Antonio. It is my favorite Marvel movie. Uh, before I watch this movie, I really wasn't into the MCU. I hadn't watched Ultron. I hadn't watched Ant-Man. I probably hadn't rewatched any of the Iron Mans prior to this. I may have watched the first Avengers movie. So this movie was kind of my gateway into the whole MCU. Yeah, it was pretty similar for me too. I I was never into the MCU at all. I think I watched the first Iron Man because it had Robert Downey Jr. And I was... Big into Robert Downey Jr. coming off of Zodiac and coming off of um, uh, Tropic Thunder. So I thought, oh, I'll give him a chance as Iron Man. And it was great. I just, I think what attracted me most of this one is the title Civil War. It was like, oh, they're, and they're on both, you know, on the, on the, on the cover or on the, the poster, they're on both sides, you know, on opposite ends. So it looks like it's going to be super intense. And I think that's probably why I watched this movie. And it was one of those that it just, attracted me to the MCU universe after that. And the reason I ask the question if it's underappreciated is because I know that a lot of the times we're either recency bias where, oh, Endgame was the absolute best or, oh, the older movies like Iron Man, those, those are the better ones. Whereas Civil War is kind of right in the middle. It was the first of phase three. And I feel like sometimes it gets forgotten. But if you watch it top to bottom, I, I don't think it's the best one. I'm, I don't know if it's my favorite, but to me, it's the most complete movie in the mcu universe if that makes any sense no completely makes sense um i think that in terms of uh beginning middle end and plot resolution uh strife and then resolution i think that it it's it 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 almost functions as a standalone movie which is perfect for someone who's just getting into this getting into the mcu and maybe wanted to go back and learn more about these characters that we if if you were into it before um, with the exception of Black Panther and Spider-Man, um, you already know a lot about and you feel connected to the characters. But this movie, I think, is the perfect gateway into introducing uh, both Phase 3 um, and introducing someone uh, to Marvel for the first time. Yeah, agreed. I wanted to touch back on something you said because I guess it was one of those things that I didn't really notice. And I don't know if it was you, Antonio, that mentioned this at one point, maybe last season or someone mentioned this. Or maybe it was you, Brandon, because you brought it up. It's weird that it's a Captain America movie. It's the it's the third in the trilogy of Captain America movies where it feels like it's an Avengers movie because it has everybody in it. And I think that's one of the things that maybe kind of pushed people in a direction where they were expecting a Captain America like completely dominated Captain America movie. And they didn't get that. They got everyone in there minus Thor minus the Hulk. But it just seemed like, I think I want to say that that was one of the biggest complaints about it. Whereas I think it works because it does ultimately hinge and revolves around cap in in a lot of the ways. So Antonio, I'm going to ask you first, uh-huh. why do you love this movie? I don't know. It kind of, I, 
it goes back to when I went to watch it. So fun story. I was going to watch this movie because I met a young lady on Tinder, probably. Uh, And then day before, she's like, actually, you know what? I can't go. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool. A few days later, she goes to me. But I had already purchased tickets (laughs) for the movie. And so I worked down my friend list. I was like, who would potentially want to go see this movie with me? And then I want to give a shout out to my guy, Sam, because he was the last person I asked and the only one that was willing to go. Ended up, he was homies with the manager at the movie theater and homeboy refunded my ticket price. So I saw this movie for free and (laughs) I'm sitting there. My guy has not watched any Avengers movie either, like prior to this one. And we're just sitting there like, Who's this red guy? Who is this guy? Like, I had no clue who Black Panther was. I, you know, I was just like, who is this guy? And we're just looking at you like, this is fucking awesome. Like, all, everything was good. Like, the kind of like Brandon was saying, the, the strife between all the characters was compelling. Um, I don't know that there was a resolution. I'll kind of fight you on that. But, you know, you're, as you're watching it, you're kind of understanding where each character stands through the process and why they're making the decision that they are, but I don't know. There was a lot of human element in this. And I don't think that you get a lot of that in like superhero movies in general. No, I agree to me. This is the one that actually seems like the most serious and least like a superhero movie in certain ways. I mean, obviously there's a lot of like, there's a lot of special effects. There's a lot of superhero tropes and stuff like that. that They're present, but this is the one that feels like you feel some shit when Tony, watches the video of Bucky and his parents. It's there's some real emotion that you don't get in most superhero movies. It's it's a lot of feel good and then uh oh and okay we resolve everything. And like you said, I don't really think I mean knowing what happens afterwards, but at the time it feels like things are left unresolved, but it was still like a, a good ending to the movie. Well I just think that it, it certainly left you as someone that did not care for the MCU prior to this movie, you definitely did want to see where it went next. As someone who, like I said, hadn't watched Age of Ultron, hey, yeah, like Ryan said, you maybe want to go back and dive into it, but you're kind of excited. It's like, oh, like the band's broken up. Like, are we doing individual tours now? Like, what, what's what's going to happen next? It's interesting that you were talking about how this doesn't feel like it, it felt more like an Avengers movie. Um, and I think that I, I, it feels like the reason that they ultimately chose to title this a Captain America movie and not title it like an Iron Man movie or an Avengers team up movie is because it feels like traditionally the Captain America movies have been more grounded and have been a little more serious in terms of uh, yeah. what they've what Cap has gone through, uh, whether it's the first Avengers movie where um, he's fighting. Uh, the Nazis and fighting Hydra or even in the second one where he's bringing down Hydra again, but they've, this time they've infiltrated shield and you're dealing with this, this plan to launch these, these helicarriers that are going to be able to take out targets and, and take out dissidents before they're even uh, capable of, of being uh, rebels or dissidents. Um, so it's always felt like the Captain America movies have felt and dealt with, more grounded, serious subjects. And so I think that this is a perfect, it's the perfect film to title a Captain America movie as opposed to titling it a, you know, Iron Man three or, uh, you know, another Thor movie or um, Thor not being in this one. But um, I I think that being a Captain America movie was the perfect vehicle for what happened in this, in this film. Right on. I'd never thought about it in relation to the Captain America movies, both being so grounded in, in dealing with um, essentially in a, in a superhero comic book way, real life events with the Nazis. I mean, I I know we focus on Hydra, but I mean, it was a part of the Nazis and that's real. And you know what I mean? So real quick, have you um, ever heard of a more welcoming terrorist organization than Hydra? They include people (laughs) of all race, gender, ethnicity, religion coming from, they, they evolved from their Nazi ways to become an all-inclusive terrorist organization. And I think they should be commended for their wokeness. What I especially like is this movie has the introduction to two of the most beloved characters in the MCU. 
and that being Black Panther and Spider-Man. And it's it's so cool that we didn't just get one, we got both, and both are extremely impactful in this movie. Both bring two different types of feeling and emotion to this movie. If you were to remove Spider-Man and remove Black Panther from the story, this is a shitty Marvel movie. Because the whole premise of the movie is driven by T'Challa becoming... We're seeing Black Panther for the first time for the reason of King T'Chaka dying at the hands of who we think is Bucky, but it's actually... um, Award-winning dancer Zemo. And then we finally discover the kind of father-son-ish kind of bond between Tony Stark and Spider-Man. And it's very cool to see the two parallels one losing a father and one kind of in a way gaining a father figure. Let's talk about Black Panther. Let's talk about Spider-Man. Do we like the fact that they introduced both of them in this movie? Do we like, should it just been one? Are we happy with the introduction? How we became, you know, how they became known to us? Because I'm going to real quick, I want to say something to you, Antonio. I was like you. I didn't know who Black Panther was. I had heard of the character Black Panther, but I knew nothing about Wakanda Nothing about vibranium. I had no clue. I was just like, oh, this dude, cool. And of course, everyone knows Spider-Man. I mean, we have a fucking award named after, you know. The greatest Spider-Man. <laughs> Is Andrew Garfield? Do we have an award after him? Yeah, right? I mean, I'm, I'm confused. Because that is the greatest Spider-Man. Uh, tell me your thoughts on Black Panther, Spider-Man. Uh, Black Panther was cool. I did like the way they reintroduced they introduced Spider-Man because they didn't do the whole this is how he got his powers like you can only be told that story so many times you know kind of like every single Batman reboot yeah his parents yeah. are shot like we we all know uh and so with Spider-Man I liked how they kind of just jumped in like hey he's in high school he's already got his powers they anticipate that the character is popular enough that you know the audience and the general audience like people like me already know kind of how he got his power. So let's just go ahead and go straight into recruitment. Um, right. I'm not going to get ahead, but I think Tom Holland is up for an award in our categories later. I wonder which one. Brandon, how do you feel about Black Panther, Spider-Man? Okay. I was going to say Antonio took Spider-Man. I was going to take Black Panther, but then I was like, well, wait a minute. Is it appropriate <laughs> for the black guy to take Black Panther? <laughs> um, no. So, um, the introduction of Black Panther here kind of drives the entire plot of the movie. Um, he's, uh, you, you, the movie just doesn't happen, uh, without, I mean, the movie, a a version of this movie still happens because the essential, I guess, first driving plot is, uh, the Sokovia Accords, but Black Panther, I think does drive this movie. And really, I think his arc is the, uh, the conclusion that I was mentioning that I mentioned earlier, like his arc and, and ultimately letting go of uh, seeking revenge um, and seeing what it has done uh, to both Zemo and what it's done to the Avengers, um, I think is the conclusion that is the important conclusion in this movie, not necessarily the resolution of Tony and Steve's relationship. I think that where they left that was fine, but I think, Black Panther ultimately finding his piece is the important conclusion in this movie. I can see that. I haven't thought about it that way. Uh, in the MCU, Brandon, who's your favorite? Like who I, I kind of, I've done this in the last couple episodes. Like who do you see yourself as as a character? And I just like, that's just kind of weird to ask in, in this. Cause these are all superheroes are not like real people, but I guess who is your favorite character in the MCU? It doesn't have to be a hero. It could be a villain. It could be, uh, a minor character, but like, who's your favorite? Um, it's got to be Dave Bautista's Drax the Destroyer. Um, Jesus, man. Uh, Dave Bautista is fantastic in the MCU, and uh, I cannot get enough of him. I can't, so I can't wait for Guardians 3. Yeah. Uh, just for his character, but also I can't wait for the interaction. So, uh, Thor Ragnarok, they went with a different direction with Thor and made him kind of campy, made him a little more fun. Um, and I cannot wait to see his interactions with Dave Batista in that movie. I think that that's going to be fun. Star-Lord, 
uh, Chris Pratt going to be also fun, but Dave Batista and, and um, Drax and Thor are going to be my favorite interactions. I think in the new guardians movie. I agree. I, I mean, I agree. And like, I'm excited to see that. Antonio, what about yours? Uh, I'm real basic. It's Iron Man. The Marvel version of Batman. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's between Iron Man and Black Panther, but uh, I'll go Iron Man. That's my guy. He has my name. He's the Italian me. Oh, that's true. Didn't think about that. It's hard for me in certain movies and superhero movies being the hardest to do to kind of separate the character from the person who plays him. By far, leaps and bounds, my favorite is is Robert Downey Jr., but is Iron Man like my favorite in the MCU? Probably not. I, I would probably say Star-Lord just because I just like the vibe. And I think Chris Pratt does a good job of portraying him, but from, I think, like the one, like behind, not behind the scenes, but like the one like in-depth dive into the comics that I watched like on YouTube once, they did like a thing on, on guardians of the galaxy and they did a thing on star Lord. And I was like, Oh, that's just cool. Like it's just a cool character, like kind of a half and half kind of, you know, half alien, half human. I just, I don't know. I liked him. I'll say this. If, uh, if Deadpool, if uh, Deadpool ever gets added to the MCU, that would be my favorite. Well, I mean, if that's the case, if, if, and when the X-Men join the MCU, then mine would be Wolverine. I've loved Wolverine since I was a child. It's just my thing. Derek should be Cyclops. <laughs> I I knew before even asking this question, Antonio, who your least favorite person or least favorite MCU character was. I want to know what your beef is. I know what your beef is with one of them. I want to know what your beef is with the other one. It's Vision. Really? He's fucking useless. Why is Vision useless? Okay, so we're going to get ahead of ourselves. Oh, okay, wait, you want to... You- no, I can do a, a mini vision rant without getting you know too ahead of myself. He crippled Rhodey in Infinity War. He basically gave Thanos his fucking you know whatever stone he had. The Mind Stone, I think, is the one he had. He was the yeah. we- supposedly supposed to be one of the strongest Avengers. Could not defend himself at all in that movie. Was constantly being saved. Like he- he's fucking useless. <laughs> They give, you know, my guy, Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye, you know, shit for being useless or, you know, Black Widow, because all she does is kick. Apparently, that's the family guy skit. But like, (laughs) you know, they at least put up fucking fights. Vision was just like, ow, I'm hurt. Oh, no, don't choke me. Oh, you know, just kill me. Oh, no, Thanos. Now I won't even try to stop you. Just go ahead and take take the stone. Just go ahead and take it. It's fucking useless. One division was trash too, by the way. Oh boy. Yeah, nobody is gonna agree with that, man. Um, least favorite character though, for me, has got to be, and this is gonna be I feel like this might be an unpopular opinion, but uh James Rhodes or uh the Iron Patriot. He's like a less cool Iron Man. I, I don't I, I don't care for Rhodey at all. When he and jumping ahead, when he gets injured in this in this movie, I'm like, okay, but you know, I mean, it's Vision's fault, which ultimately it's Iron Man's fault. But whatever, we're not gonna go. We we don't have to go there yet. But Rhodey is the my least favorite MCU character. I just don't. I he's uninteresting. My least favorite, honestly, and it's it's just because he's Aaron Taylor Johnson. My least favorite was uh, Quicksilver. He's a shit version of the Flash. There, said it. And he's skinny. It sucks for him that he's not the best version of Quicksilver that we've been introduced to. And that's, that's one of the, the reasons why. That's that. Yeah, that's the shitty thing for him. I yep. think definitely is <laughs> that there's another cinematic Quicksilver out there that's just better. I always like to do a little summary of the movie that we're discussing. Antonio, do you want to do the uh, the honors of your eloquently written summary? I think you should. Yeah, sure. Let me uh, let me access it real quick. Okay. So, after destroying Sokovia, the Avengers and the Avengers in training are in Lagos hunting down Hydra homies that, honestly, they're just trying to make a living. With no regard for innocent bystanders, they decide to kill my guy Rumlow and other Lagos citizens. 
United Nations wants to help the Avengers by protecting them from themselves. Half the team understands why the Accords are necessary. Other half, they're brainwashed by Captain America into thinking that their individual rights are being infringed on. Hmm. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> At some point, Bucky kills some people. There's a difference of opinion on how to handle the situation, which leads to more tension. Uh, noted award-winning dancer Zemo takes advantage of said tension and pushes the Avengers towards fighting each other. The Avengers find peace with each other until Captain America and Bucky double-team Iron Man after he has a perfectly understandable measured response to news he found out about his parents dying. Bucky and Cap try to kill Iron Man but fail. Cap writes Tony a, a letter apologizing to him where he essentially says to Tony, I'm sorry that you were offended by my actions. And that's the end of Iron Man or Captain America Civil War. Fucking beautiful. So every week we try to do a an outline to kind of get on the same page of what we want to talk about. This is to the audience. Um and Antonio's done the last two, which I really appreciate you by the way, doing the outlines. And it's it's such a fucking gem to just open it up and just read the summary that Antonio puts out. Perfectly said. I'm sorry that you were offended by my actions. <laughs> Brandon, you don't agree that that's basically what that letter said. I, you know, I think that Cap was trying to find some middle ground um, after Tony, who, you know, responded very irrationally to finding out some getting some bad news. I mean, when was the last time you got some bad news and tried to kill somebody? Uh, you know, no one has uh, killed my parents yet. You know, knock on wood that that doesn't happen. But unpopular I opinion feel that i that. would react the same way he did if howard stark should not have been transporting the super soldier serum to begin with you're a secret government organization presumably you have someone who's trained to transport super soldier serum why were you and your wife carrying it howard stark got himself and his wife killed Probably trying to give those uh, transporters a holiday off because it was Christmas. Rebuttal? It's just, it it makes no sense to me. You wouldn't have, like, your... Uh, Howard Stark got his... Howard Stark ruined Tony's life by getting himself killed. I, I Really, Bucky should write Tony a letter saying, Tony, I'm sorry your parents got themselves killed. <laughs> okay. Can we turn this into a mask debate? <laughs> I mean, that's where that's where I was going. So basically, Cap is saying, I'm sorry that your parents are old and they died, but why should I have to wear them? <laughs> basically. Sorry. Like, okay. So Brandon's obviously Team Cap. Uh, Ryan, are you going to take a, a side or? No, you singled me out in the fucking outline. <laughs> I am. I'm Black Widow. I'm going to just ride the fence on this one. I want everyone to stay friends. I would sac I would sacrifice myself for one of you guys. Just saying. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, like literally, the Sokovia Accords are basically, in one way, they're a fucking mask mandate. And ca every time Cap is like, "No, you know, the the safest hands are our own." That's like him saying, "You know, my body, my choice. I don't want to wear a mask if I, you know, go out." You know, and he's just like, "Fuck it," like. Maybe, maybe, you know, Tony, you, you fucked up. Oh, you, these people died. Man, it sucks. But I'm not going to take responsibility for it. Can I do my part to say to help, you know, save these people? Sure. But it's inconvenient to me. So I don't want to do it. It's basically what this boils down to. So let's I mean, right. So let's talk about that scene when the Sokovia Accords are introduced for the first time. Uh, you get you've got Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross Ross strolling in there. Secretary of State says he thinks he's got a solution. The world owes the Avengers a debt, but the world also feels like they could be vigilantes. Sure, okay. So first things he shows us is New York. Whose fault was New York? Not the Avengers' fault. Nope, it was not the Avengers. Could have been a lot worse. In fact, somebody okayed them dropping a nuke in Manhattan and Tony stopped that shit. Yep. So I don't know. I feel, it feels like New York, the safer hands were the Avengers. 
Then he shows us Washington, D.C. Last time I checked, Washington, D.C. happened because Hydra infiltrated your secret global organization that was designed to, you know, protect the world. Not the Avengers' fault. Yep. The Avengers, once again, step in, save the day. Then he drops this question on on Cap. Do you know where Bruce and and Thor are? How is it? Who does he? First of all, does Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross know where Bruce and Thor are? No. How is that on Cap to know where they're at? Yep. And then, even if he knew where they were at, what makes him think that those two could be controlled by a coalition of 117 nations who have decided to sign these accords. Preach. Just, but also let's talk about one more thing that Thunderbolt Thunderbolt didn't mention at all when he was showing videos. The first incident in New York where he let a foreign paramilitary operator take a version of the super soldier serum and then fight the Hulk in New York city. That's all on him. And that's why we should never listen to Thunderbolt Thaddeus Ross. Cause he doesn't know what he's doing and he's a terrible secretary of state. So in this analogy is Fauci Ross? No, no. Cause we want to <laughs> listen to the good guys. So just <laughs> Thunderbolt, he would be the equivalent of a, you know what? He's the equivalent of a Donald Trump here. This is someone you don't want to listen to about keeping the world safe. I love it. Love it. I'm going to ride the fence only for this reason. It's because I had a feeling I knew where Antonio was going with this, with his rant, and then with the comparison to the mask. And I'm a, I'm a hardcore. I'm a I'm a mask wearer. I've gotten both my shots. I've been vaccinated for the last month fully, and I still wear my mask in public and do that whole deal. I feel like it's a it shows a uh, it shows appreciation for people who have to do it constantly at work or whatnot. And it's just I just do my part. That's just that's just me. But in this in this scenario, I do seem to side a little bit more with Cap only because of the fact that it, and it's and it's not like I side a hundred percent. It's like. 5545 I side with Cap. I really am like Romanoff in this thing where it's like fuck, I probably would help out both sides and I understand both sides, but it's just more of the, of the thing like it was Hydra that infiltrated the government. Hydra infiltrated um a uh, shield. Like how can I trust that they're not going to have any fuck ups like this and then it's kind of my fault, my responsibility to kind of clean up your messes and then I get blamed for having to clean up and, and do all that. So I think, no, I think my hands are the safest hands. And so that's why I kind of lean a little bit more towards cap, but I also understand the need for regulation and especially oversight. And I'm a big oversight person. So it's like, ah, oh, it pulls me back to Tony's side a little bit. It's just, I think the first important scene of this movie is that table. I call it the table reading where, Thunderbolt comes in there and kind of just lays it out. He starts off like the typical, like almost like politician salesman where he's like, Hey, thank the Avengers. Appreciate you guys. And you're like, okay, now here's the, here's the fuck you part, I guess in a way, but we need to be held accountable responsibility. And I'm going to kind of push back a little bit. Sokovia was Tony's fault. Absolutely. 150% all Tony's fault. It was all, it wasn't the Avengers fault. It was all Tony's fault. And then he fixed it. Yeah, but who? how many lives ended because of that? How many people who had a 3.6 GPA and just wanted to see the world building houses died because of Tony's decision? Okay, th- and that's so that's another thing uh, with this movie it, is that Captain is military trained. So he's knows what it's like to lose, you know, a fellow comrade or have, you know, someone else's death kind of be put on you. He sure he was under ice for almost a hundred years, but he's prepped for it. Iron Man's not a soldier. And so no, he's not, you know, he's already, he's dealing with the PTSD from New York as we saw in Iron Man three greatest Christmas movie ever. And so he's over here trying to figure out, you know, okay, I, you know, I fucked up. Ultron's my fault. How do I fix this going forward? I think that that is another, that's 
maybe the second biggest driving force behind this movie, I think, is Tony's guilt. I think that a lot of what happens in this movie is the direct result of the guilt Tony feels, not only for Sokovia, but um, I think it's Vision who points out that the number of world changing events or the, I forget how he phrases it exactly has gone up exponentially since Tony uh, first announced to the world that he was Iron Man. And I, I think that Tony does deal with a lot of, a lot of guilt around that. And that drives the movie and drives his unconditional acceptance almost of these accords with out really thinking it through almost because cap has a point like Tony, Tony says at one point, you know, when I realized that, my weapons were hurting people. I, I put a stop to that. And, but Tony had the, the autonomy to do that on his own. Right. Whereas when they sign these accords, they kind they, the caps, right. They lose the ability to say and go to places where they think they're needed the most while they wait on this committee or even a subcommittee to make this decision. And I think that that's the worst part about the accords is that, presumably it's going to go to and not to disparage the UN or anything, but presumably this is going to go to uh, a body of, of nations who are going to vote no vote on sending the Avengers somewhere. And that just, that takes time. Right. And, and cab does say something that, that is essentially true even in the real world is, is countries and people have agendas. I understand this is a fictional movie, but there's some real like, Real talk in that scene. And I want to circle back to what you're saying about, I never really caught on until maybe about the third time I saw this movie where noticed that since Tony's come out as Iron Man, we've been challenged more, essentially is what he's saying. We've we've invited challenge. I think even Thor says in one of the movies, he's like, now the now Earth is ready or something like that. The, 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 the other worlds know that Earth is ready to basically fight. You know ready what I mean? For a higher, it signals a higher for, that they're ready for a higher form of war. Right. I think is what he says. Yeah. Exactly. That line has so much more meaning than just a vision trying to, not a vision trying to be the smartest one. Vision's obviously the quote unquote smartest one in the room because he's just basically AI. But that text had meaning at that point to me. I think guilt is one of the driving forces of this film. Also on, on the opposite side is vengeance. Because I think the first true kind of touching scene of this movie, it, you know, aside from Cap finding out that uh, Agent Carter is passed, but the the death of King T'Chaka, and that's what drives the rest of the movie. And it drives Black Panther for vengeance. And then later on, we see Tony's vengeance kind of take, make the, you know, take over his decision making. But that was one of the scenes that I, I really liked was the first introduction to T'Challa into um, Chadwick Boseman, just welcome to the franchise because he's there. He kind of goes toe to toe with Scarlett Johansson in that meeting right before the accords are going to be ratified. I like that scene a lot. What are some of the other important scenes of this movie? I guess the opening scene. I think Brandon referenced it in Lagos. Yeah. So I guess, well, I mean, I guess right after the accords are introduced. Uh, Steve's got to step away because, as you mentioned, uh, we've lost uh, an important member of the Marvel community. Agent Carter has passed away, and Steve has to go. The love of his life is is dead. But have no fear; her niece is nearby. <laughs> so that's the first time that we are told, right, that she is the niece. So it makes for a little bit of uh, some some awkwardness because um, there was there seemed to have been something there uh, in in uh, uh, Winter Soldier that wasn't acted upon, uh, and then you fast forward to uh, when she helps them get their equipment back after Baron Zemo or Zemo at the time he's not a he's not revealed to be a Baron I guess until uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier but. Um, they share that that weird that weird kiss. It's awkward and, uh, as shit, isn't it? Yeah, right. Because you got you got your boys standing there watching, rooting her on, rooting them on, and it's a real weird, real. It's a real weird uh, dynamic between those two. The first time I saw this movie, I was like, "Oh, is that her daughter? Not her niece?" I guess I just missed the part where it was like my aunt always did that. I I don't know. 
blacked out or something, but I was like, oh my God, he's kissing his like ex's daughter 70 years later or whatever. Like this is awkward as shit. And I'm, I remember looking around the theater like, is no one else freaked out by this? Am I fucking missing something? Maybe I did need to see the movies before this. I don't know <laughs> what's going on. But I legitimately was like, oh, okay. She cute though. Mm-hmm. The only thing that saves that particular scene where when and she when she does get back the uh, the shield and Falcon's wings or bird costume, which that was a funny line, is is when Sam's like, uh, or when uh, Bucky's like, "Can you move your seat up?" <laughs> Sam's like, "No," <laughs> and so he just scoots over a little bit. <laughs> My guy just like, and it breaks the kind of weird awkward tension but then it happens anyway but i'm glad that that scene that little cut is there to kind of soften the awkwardness just a little bit but that's uh, I mean, that's a good scene not one of my favorites but what it, what Brandon, what's your favorite scene in this movie i think one of the best scenes um of this movie is when scott lang's ant-man says uh he's got something he's got a distraction um so that they can make it to the hangar and uh <laughs> he's 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 running. He's like, okay, hopefully I don't tear myself in half. And I forget who's on the radio. Is like, he's wait, he's gonna tear himself in half. <laughs> and then he 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 gets big for the first time. I thought that was that just that whole that that whole exchange and that whole um, him revealing the the reverse um, the the growth is really cool. I thought uh, it's uh, one of my favorite things. I I don't traditionally like Paul Rudd or find Paul Rudd funny, but Paul Rudd works as Ant-Man. And, and I feel like that is, I feel like Paul Rudd and Ant-Man, both Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp are both underrated Marvel movies. I like it. What about you, Antonio? I'm trying to avoid like the fight scenes. Cause I mean, those are the, the obvious ones. Uh, I know the airport scene is like the best fight scene, but that tunnel scene is really good. Yeah. Like it's a really good like action pack scene. I guess the scene where, uh, where uh, Tony and, um, and Nat are kind of like figuring out like crap, we got a whole world that we got to search to find these guys. We only have 36 hours and the clock's ticking. We need to shrink this world real quick and like deciding what the plan is. And <laughs> it's really funny how they're like, I have an idea. Where's yours? downstairs where's yours you know (laughs) like they already know how they operate one thing i feel like we haven't really gotten into uh we haven't actually talked about the actual villain for this oh yeah film uh zemo a great villain outside i think that the mcu outside of loki was really struggling uh with villains to be honest um i mean you had thanos as kind of like this lurking like the end all be all, but like in these movies, I feel like there weren't really that many memorable villains. And then you get Zemo. And I thought Zemo was probably their best villain outside of Loki. I love Zemo. Uh, just, I will always side with like, if you give me the option of uh villain with superpowers or, you know, access to Iron Man style gadgets versus a guy that's going to wage this war kind of like on a psychological war. Uh, warfare and kind of try to outsmart you know the protagonist i'm always going to take the latter just because it's a different way to go about things um that's probably why i don't like dc movies because i feel like all their especially recently all their villains are just cgi bullshit oh yeah a cool parallel between this movie and the movie we did last week in fast five is in fast five there was a actual bad guy his name was reyes in this movie, the actual bad guy is Zemo. But the movie wants us to, in Fast Five, it was really about our family versus The Rock. We talked about that. In this one, it's basically the Avengers against one another. Where I thought Fast Five was shitty and the fact that Reyes wasn't a great villain, I think Civil War got it right, where Zemo was an excellent villain because he was just driven by vengeance he is the reason why these two sides of the avengers are here like the reason the reason the climactic scene in the third act between bucky and and captain america tag teaming 
Iron Man is just because of the fact of the things that he set in motion. The things he found on the internet that Black Widow put out there, he decrypted, he put it all together. He went to Cleveland, saw a Cavs game, drowned that guy upside down, which was fucking crazy, by the way. We haven't talked about that. Worked his magic, ordered bacon and coffee, got to Siberia, and then all of a sudden was just like, hey, we're here because of me. That's some shit right there. That is a, that's a badass. A thing you mentioned about DC. To me, the ultimate DC villain will always be the Joker, but it's Heath Ledger's Joker in the fact that there, you know, obviously in the line, he just wants to watch the world burn. In this case, he just wanted to watch the Avengers burn because of losing his family, his father, his wife, his son. And it's it's crazy that a villain and, and I haven't seen Falcon Winter Soldier. I, I know he makes an appearance in that, but it's just it's amazing to see a villain that was just so driven by vengeance to outsmart people. I mean, out he outsmarted Tony Stark. I don't, I don't know if I said it or not, but my favorite scene really is, is the, uh, the very opening of the movie where it shows that it's in 1991. The header comes across the screen. It's a like tracking shot. And all of a sudden this motorcycle runs this car off the road and all of a sudden, boom, like that's an incredible shot. And you know, you can, you can put together two and two as to who that is, who's in the car go from there. And it all climaxes at the very end. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I just, feel like Zemo saw all that and just put all that together. And then this is why we're here. And he does such a fucking cool, just like walk away. As soon as they start going at it, he does this thing where he just fades back. I don't need to watch. I know what this is because I killed them from within. My work is done. Underrated, underrated villain in the uh, MCU universe. Agreed. And he's great in Falcon Winter Soldier, by the way. Better than the Mighty Ducks. Revamp, have y'all seen that? It's on the list. Along with that John Stamos one. <laughs> he hasn't aged a day. No. Um, do we have any more on Team Cap versus Team, I- Team Iron Man? Uh, just real quick. Cap likes to present himself as this self-righteous person with like no hidden agendas, no, no secrets or anything like that. I, I just want it to be known that Iron Man was very transparent in why he wanted to sign the Accords. You know, he's trying to get win Pepper's heart back. And he let Cap know. He was like, hey, you signed these. We can get you reinstated. You know, we'll have, you know, Wanda, you know, just she's going to be hanging out at the, at the compound. Ain't a prison cell, you know. A screening room in a lap pool. Your boy Bucky not going to be sent to a Wakandan prison. You know, very transparent about what's going to happen. And then Cap over here has this big dark ass secret where he just will not tell Tony that he knew that Bucky killed his parents. Because when Iron Man asks him, once that big reveal happens, he's like, did you know? And Cap still lies to him. He's like, I didn't know it was him. And he just has to be like, do not bullshit me. Did you or did you not know? And he hesitates and says yes. I mean, I think that was Cap, though, trying to protect Tony. I mean, he's he was also motivated by the fact that himself. it's his friend. But I think he's also so motivated to protect Tony. Because it wasn't going to change anything. It wasn't going to bring him back, what they always say in these movies. But he still tried to... And then he tried to kill Tony. Like when they're fighting... Remind me though, real quick. How how does he know that it was Bucky? How does Cap know that it was Bucky? Well, presumably during when uh, when they find out all the Hydra shit in Winter Soldier, like that's where he found out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. In the part where he tried to kill Iron Man, where he like wrangled him by the neck and tried to break it, snap his neck. You know, trying to protect Bucky. There's one thing protecting your boy, and another thing trying to kill your other friend, like. Well, well, hold on. Bucky was the one trying to like pull a fucking Kano and reach into his chest and pull out that his. Too. Yeah, no bullshit. Like that's Bucky. Oh yeah, yeah, they're on the same side. My bad. Yeah, no, I'm talking about Cap. Like when Bucky's trying to escape, you know, up through the roof, and he just like grabs something from his Cap, grabs something from his belt, and just like wrangles it around, you know, Iron Man's neck, trying to snap it in half. 
yeah, Cap all of a sudden pulls like a utility belt item like from old school Batman and it's just like Yeah. I think we know Captain America's character enough to know that he's not going to kill Tony Stark at this point. Also, I, I was going to save this for later, but I'm just going to get it out now. When he writes Tony that letter at the end and he says, the Avengers are yours. I'm sorry. There's crippled Rhodey who may never walk again. There's useless as vision. And then there's Tony himself and a teenage Spider-Man that may, may or may not, you know, be able to join because he has homework. What Avengers are yours again? Well, like what what a, like what a fucking flex. Like he's just over here. I'm sorry. Tony can go to the raft though and free the ones that he put in prison. Hey, they chose to broke because let's not forget they chose let's not forget to break the law. He still had them locked up in the raft where they keep like super villains. They chose to break the law. They chose to do what they thought was right, which broke the law. They should be able to decide if they want to wear masks or not. Okay, cool. When you step into a building that requires it. And they ask, and you don't want to wear it, and they ask you to leave. Don't be upset when you get charged of trespassing. I just think it's a bit. It's you know we're we're putting we're gonna put Wanda in prison. We're gonna put Clint, who has a family, in prison. He was retired. No one told him to come out of but retirement. Also, just keep shooting eighteen. He told you he shot all eighteen. Go to Augusta. Join the tour. It just seemed like an overreaction to the fight at the airport to ultimately put them in prison at the end of the day. They are still Avengers. The world still owes them a great debt. And, you know, it just, it kind of highlights how far Tony is willing to take this thing. Tony, Rhodey, you know, vision, I guess ScarJo did end up on the other side. Black Panther, they were allowed at the airport. Because the Accords let them. And that's the other thing, right? Like, like, do we know that the Accords allowed the other team to be there, though? That's a great point. Like, did this UN body come together and say, okay, you guys can go to the airport and fight these these bad Avengers? Ooh, we never got that, did we? Well, I mean, when they ask for 72 hours and they give them 36, that's presumably your... You're okay oh, to true. go. That's right. So, but that's but that's one person. That's Thunderbolt Ross, who should not be allowed <laughs> to make these kinds of decisions because we know what he does with these kinds of decisions. We didn't get a voice from the other 116 countries. Once again, only America's interests were represented at that airport. So, all in all, we have the airport scene. Bucky and Cap get away. Then Bucky and Cap tag team Iron Man. Zemo gets away and is about to off himself and Black Panther comes, saves the day, tells him, no, no, the living is not done with you yet or some shit like that. It's a great line. It is, it is the whole the whole exchange between the two um, where we kind of right because at the uh, it's not until Zemo is sitting in the in the snow there at the end. I think that w- while we know that he lost everyone. It's not until like we he's sitting there and he's listening to that voicemail for the last time and he deletes it. It's like he's had this like he feels this closure. This is what he wanted. He got everything that he wanted. He doesn't need to see the rest of it. He doesn't need to see them tear tear each other apart. But then, you know, Black Panther to come up and and realize that this thing has destroyed him. It's destroying the Avengers. He's not going to let it destroy him. Um, and he's going to take Zemo in and, and Zemo's going to face consequences for his actions. Um, I think that that whole scene um, really, for me, just wraps the whole movie up again. You know, we still have the conflict between Tony and, and Steve that's not fully resolved. But I feel like the main motivating factors for this movie are, are pretty well the big the two big ones for this movie are pretty well wrapped up. And I want to get back to your scene here in a minute on one of the categories or one of the categories, one of the awards. Uh, but real quick, I think we all kind of touched on it. But this movie ranks third for you 
Brandon, in the MCU universe so far, out of all the ones we've seen through three phases? Third? Well, first was what, Endgame? Uh, yeah, Endgame's number one. Or now Infinity War is number one, Endgame's number two, and then this one. And so with me, it's it's almost flip-flop. Infinity War for me is just a wow. That, that got you. That got you in the feels. That's number one for me, followed by um, Civil War. And third, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of weird in this. I really enjoyed Doctor Strange. I just, I thought that one was like just a, it was just a different movie. It was cool. It was just a different take. So I'd probably either go with that one or the Guardians of the Galaxy. But Doctor Strange, I, I'll dig that one. What about you, Antonio? What's your top three? Or, uh, where does this one rank in your top three? Uh, it's top two. It's either one or two, depending on the day you ask me. Today, I'll say number two. Um, it's it's always flip flopping between this and Endgame, and then okay. three I'll go uh, Black Panther. So real quick, we get some awards. We didn't put out the poll. That was my bad. Completely forgot to do that this week. We might rename this award, but for now we're gonna go ahead and stick with it, or we'll we'll call it a, a twofer. We'll call it the uh, the Tobey Maguire Jordana Brewster Award for the worst actor in this film. Y'all can't see it right now, but Brandon can't stop laughing. Because we're renaming the Jordana, possibly might be renaming it. So, Antonio, who's your nominee? It's Elizabeth Olsen. Do you have an accent or not? <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, figure it out. Like, that, that's why I wish Amanda was here. Because she's going to give my girl Neela in Tokyo Drift a hard time for having multiple accents. I want her on here defending Scarlet Witch. I agree. I don't know where her accent ends begins i just remember i think i watched this movie before ultron so when i watched ultron i was like why does elizabeth olsen have an accent mm-hmm. yep same same what's going on it was completely gone by in- by infinity war yeah. yeah you're like are you american now like tony said you weren't an american but are you trying to prove him wrong trying to get that visa which i imagine is a lot more difficult when you're a criminal do you have anybody for this award brandon uh, I mean, I, I outside of Elizabeth Olsen, um, I feel like the acting in this is, is pretty, pretty even. I can't think of any like bad performances in this movie, really. So I, I don't have anything for this one. I'm just nitpicking as well. I'm, I'm just going to say Elizabeth Olsen because it's it's painfully obvious that that accent comes and goes. It's a it's a superhero movie, man. We're, we're just having fun with it. Uh, the Alonzo Harris Award for the best acted scene. I'm going to go with yours, Brandon. Oh, no. I mean, that's all Antonio. Antonio. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I skipped it. Yeah, Antonio lead us in this one. Yeah, go for it, Antonio. Sorry. Uh, Just the whole Bucky Cap Iron Man dialogue where they're just, you know, did you do it? Did you not? Just Tony getting real pissed and seeing Steve, you know, Captain Rogers struggle with like still trying to keep the peace, but knowing that there's not a whole lot he could do. And Bucky just sitting there quietly like, did it had no control over it i'm sorry bucky's got that attitude the whole time it's just like listen i did it what the fuck what do you want me to say what do you want me to do i don't know my bad and so kind of expanding on that scene because i also agree with antonio i think the last you know 20 minutes of this movie is probably the best parts of the movie um that whole the the fight scene between the two of them not necessarily just the dialogue but the fight we start with I start with uh, the fight scene towards the end between the two of them, where it's Bucky and Cap teaming up against Iron Man. Um, I just I really appreciate that. Ultimately, Cap is Cap and Bucky are winning this fight, and uh, Iron Man uh, holds his own until he kind of analyzes Cap's fight pattern, and then he gets the upper hand, and then he he takes out uh, Bucky's arm and. Uh, you know, you've got Captain America who could do this all day. Um, I'm glad they threw that in there. <laughs> I'm glad that they did a callback to that. It's a, it's a great, that's, that's probably one of the best, best parts of it. And then ultimately, you know, he takes the shield and he rams it into the, to the arc reactor and the suit, you know, that's the, the heart of the suit is destroyed. And then um, Tony kind of yelling after him, can't take that shield. It's my father's. My father gave you that, uh, and he kind of throws it down, and that's you know signaling kind of really the end of the the Avengers and the end of Captain America, kind of as we know him until he gets the shield back. Um, so, 
uh, the, and then obviously the exchange between Zemo and, and black Panther, it's the, the whole end of the movie is just, uh, quality writing, quality acting. Uh, it's, it's probably one of the better scenes in the entire MCU. Yeah. And, and the, the, the snippet of that scene that sticks out to me the most is when Zemo says to T'Challa, I knew I couldn't kill them more powerful men than me have tried, but if I could get them to kill each other and then it shows like that's when the scene in slow motion of cap and Iron Man just come together and they're just, you know what I mean? It's that's a pretty intense, like well done. Well, way to go Russo brothers. Um, so yeah, I, we're all in agreement on that one. Brandon, you haven't been around the first two, but this award, do you know who my man AC Law the Fourth is? I am very familiar with A and M star AC Law, um, and I saw this outline, and I was like, okay, but what are they doing with this AC Law award? So I need to sit back and watch what happens with this thing. So uh, essentially, it was supposed to be the Alex Caruso award. Cause when Alex Caruso would enter a Lakers game last year in the bubble, it was just like, Oh my God, my dude's on fire. His plus minus would be like plus 40. And you're just like, we got to have that guy out here. That dude just makes it. That dude, it brings something. So this is kind of like the bring something award, but it might be like the flame out award. It could be a lot of different things. So for this particular movie, we're going to do like a, we're, we're going to call it like the, he brought something. He came in, he crushed it for a minute, and then we just didn't see him anymore. That's what we're going to do. So who do you got for that? Anybody off top your head? Oh, I was going off of what we did last week with started at this <laughs> level and got to this level. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Let's do it that way. Come on. Because I was going to just go with uh, with Tom Holland. There you go. Introduced as a new Spider-Man, and now I feel like I recognize him in a bunch of other movies now that I can't name. Okay. Also, AC Law was great in 2K8. Yes, he was. Yes. Okay, so okay, so I think I got the spirit of the award uh, for this week. Um, in the spirit of the award, it has to go to Martin Freeman. That was mine. That okay, was mine. All right, yes. So, yes, it has to go to Martin Freeman. Um, doesn't get a lot of screen time. Uh, definitely has a bigger role in Black Panther. Yeah. But we are introduced to this uh, U.S. agent for the first time here. And uh, I mean, who doesn't like Martin Freeman? He's yeah, he, he's great. I love his big dick energy at the end to Zemo. And he's like, we got you. Get out of line, please. Oh, yeah. He's like, please, please step out of line. Yeah. I was happy to see him. Uh, the Mark Wahlberg Award. That's to the best actor, actress in this particular film. I don't know. Are we all going to be in agreement on this one? Daniel, however you pronounce that last name. I'm going to say Brule, but I don't know if that's right. Uh, yeah, I agree with Antonio on this one. Um, the only other one that I might sneak in there would be Chadwick. But uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with Antonio on this one. I just feel like Chadwick and and RDJ and my girl Marissa Tomei, they're all on another level. Shouts to Aunt May. They're all on another level, but I think in this particular movie, like who does the most with what they're working with, yeah, it's definitely the actor who plays Zemo. And I just, I, what's weird is I'll always, I know he's done a bunch of things here and a bunch of foreign films are foreign to the United States, but he'll always be the guy from Inglorious Bastards and he'll always be Zemo. Like that's just, I see him and I know he's got a show on TNT. I always see him between on commercials for the basketball games on TNT, like the, not the mentalist. It's like the alchemist or some shit like that. I don't know. I don't watch it, but I'm just like, Oh, it's the guy from, uh, from Inglorious Bastards or, Oh, it's Zemo. That's just how I know him. Uh, real quick quotes. What are some of our favorite quotes in this one? So you like cats, just like that. We're supposed to be cool after Bucky, you know, remembers something about Steve. I, I just, I like Sam's, you know, hesitation in that scene is like, bro, this guy just, just tried to kill, a, succeeded in killing a bunch of people and tried to kill us. But now we're supposed to trust him. Like, that was pretty cool. 
One of the things that I meant to message you and and ask for this week, Antonio, was to have you do the words that activate the Winter Soldier. Because uh, I just I thought that that would have been just great if you would have just done it oh, I don't as even, your favorite quote. I don't even know the words. I know one of the yeah, numbers no, is nine. It, but it, yeah. Let me see if, I thought that that would have been fun. Let me see if I could find it real quick. You guys go. Um, one of the better quotes in this one, uh, we talked about it earlier, um, was Vision when he talks about um, their strength. Um, so our very strength invites challenge. Challenge incites conflict, and conflict breeds catastrophe. Uh, when talking about uh, the uh, the accords and the the need for accountability, but also vision and people close. I'm not that's I, I'm not I'm not here for vision and people close. I didn't. Uh, it's weird when this red faced man comes in and he's got on this fucking sweater vest. <laughs> I thought that was just a weird choice to go with. I agree with you. That's my favorite quote. That and uh, I think one of the, like the under underrated, like funnier quotes is when Friday goes multiple contusions detected. <laughs> Iron Man goes, yeah, I detected that too. <laughs> yeah, I, that I laugh great. my ass off every time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't pronounce these words. So there's this particular opening scene in Parks and Rec. One of them where Ron Swanson gets a typewriter and he's like, America typewriter. <laughs> butthole <laughs> those would be like the activation words i would just like go off on so i always think of this movie if we do a uh, winter soldier one day even though i don't like that movie uh, i'll try to hop on just to do that okay so even before we decided to do this movie uh back when falcon and winter soldier was coming out i i was uh, doing some reading just about um sebastian stan um and i don't know if you guys have read this in talking about their or thinking about doing this movie, but uh, he was talking about how people uh, speaking of activating the winter soldier, he'll be like in normal, like regular everyday places and people will come up to him and try and activate the winter soldier. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine just sitting like in a, in a cafe or something, having a, a, a coffee and some stranger comes up and starts like just saying random words. Like that's, he loves it. He thinks it's fun, but uh, I man, that would be the worst. As, as I was looking up the the trigger words right now, the there was like five articles that pulled up about that. That's funny. What uh, recommendation wise? What you got, Antonio? Uh, I went back and forth between two movies that kind of deal with internal strife between friends, and maybe there's a team up at some point, but then they have a falling out. Uh, so I'm just going to do both uh, for the Star Wars universe, Revenge of the Sith and The Last Jedi. What about you, Brandon? You got one? I would say, though, that uh, the Captain America movies in general um, taken uh, in order um, would make for a, they're the first two would make for uh, fun watches. If you want to look at the equivalent of a civil war, but in the DC, I would say check out a uh, Suicide Squad. Anyhow, or Batman for Superman. Which one do you think is the mask wearer there? Get it? Because he wears a uh, like a dad joke. Uh, ratings. We're keeping the same rating system. I'm not going to go over it real quick. Antonio, what's your rating for this movie? Oh, I struggled with this one. And I wish Amanda was here. Because initially I wanted to give it a four. But, uh, man, it's really, it's a long movie. I watched it Sunday. It was on TBS. It was fun. And then when I rewatched it with the intent of taking notes, I was like, man, this movie's long. Uh, so it's somewhere between a three and a four. Um, we'll, we'll do a, a 3.5 on this one. I like it. What about you, Brandon? I have, this is a top, top Marvel movie for me. Um, I'm not a comic book guy. Um, you know, I, I enjoy action movies. Um, for me, this one's, this is a four though. I, I, I love this movie. I stopped to watch it whenever it's on. Um, even before we said we were doing this movie, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, I was scrolling through Disney plus and I was like, I'm going to just watch it cause I haven't seen it in a while. So, uh, this one's a, this one's a four for me. I, I'd watch it on TBS. I'd watch it just randomly on Disney plus. Um, 
I just I really like this movie. You, I couldn't say it any better than you. I, I completely agree. To not be soft, Ryan, where Ryan chooses a four for everything, I'll just say as a Marvel movie, it's definitely a four. As a regular movie, just I'll side with you on that one, Antonio. I'm going to pull a, a true Roman off. I'm going to agree with both of you guys. Marvel-wise, it's a four. Regular movie-wise, it's a 3.5. Because it to me, it's super enjoyable. It is long. When I was going to watch it, I was like, holy shit, it, it is. It's two and a half hours long. To me, it didn't feel like that. But when I'm not like when I'm in the mood to watch it, it doesn't feel like it. But if it's right. on, I'm just going to watch it because it's like on, on TBS. I'll be like, damn, this movie's still on. It is a long movie. But hey, if it's good, it's fine. Uh, and this is one of those movies that it's good. It's fine. Yeah, no, for sure. Just watch it for, for enjoyment, kind of like Brandon was saying. And yeah, you know, if it's on, yeah, you're stopping, you're dropping everything. You're watching it. If I, sometimes I'll just watch it randomly, I guess just. Don't watch it if you're going to take notes and analyze it. <laughs> then it, <laughs> it's a bit of a chore. 3.5 for Antonio, 4 for Brandon and me. All right, little FMK. We ready? Wrap this bad boy up. Let go. Antonio, rapid fire. Cap, Iron Man, Winter Soldier. You got to fuck one, marry one, kill one, go. You fuck the Winter Soldier. You marry Iron Man and you kill Captain America. And get called unpatriotic for it. <laughs> Unless it's John Walker, then maybe we change our answer. You should repeat that out loud, Brandon. See how well that goes over. I don't think she's a John Walker fan either. Um, I'm gonna go probably opposite of Antonio though. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck Captain America because I'm a patriot. Um, I'm gonna marry the Winter Soldier and I'm gonna kill Iron Man, but only for this movie. Uh, I'll switch it up. I will, I'll fuck Cap, I'll marry Iron Man, and I'll kill the Winter Soldier. And just real quick, Amanda, who's not here, wanted to make it known, which I find funny, because it, of course, contradicts what I just said. Amanda, quote unquote, Amanda needs to world, Amanda needs the world to know that she would kill Cap in any and all situations. Dude is bland as fuck. And I just decided to, uh, fuck him, so, of course. Figured. All right, last one, rapid fire. Brandon, we'll go with you in this one. Nat, Wanda, Sharon, Carter. You got to fuck one, marry one, kill one, go. Ooh, marrying Sharon, fucking Nat, killing Wanda. I agree. That's and, the right answer. Ooh, all three of us are in agreement. I didn't like Sharon the first couple times I saw her, but this time around, I was like, how are you? She's uh, she's cute. She is. She's aged nicely, I guess, in a way. In our... In our minds in this movie, I guess. I, don't know. Um, I really did. I didn't prepare an outro or anything like that, but I think next week we're going to do a Star Wars movie. We're doing a, a standalone Star Wars movie next week. Mm. An original Star Wars story? A, an original Star Wars story featuring my guy, Diego Luna. So Mexicans tune in. Yeah, tune in because it's got Diego Luna. We're going to record it. It's going to come out on May the 4th. So right before Cinco de Mayo. And also it's got Felicity Jones. That's, That's what's up. So there's going to be some there's going to be some mouth talk next week. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate y'all. Deuces. God, that was that was that was nice. Guys. <laughs>